Thank you for listening to the Akuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, learning our purpose, and linking to our community. From wherever you are listening, welcome to the community. We hope you enjoy the message. Akuo. Thanks for joining us today. This year has been a great one so far. So good that it actually started in 2022. Yeah, that's right. It started back in 2022. It was back then that God gave us the word that we're supposed to be pondering throughout all of 2023. And that word is ready. You have been created ready. You are ready right now. Not later this year. Not once you get your act together. No. Right here, right now. You are ready, ready to make an impact on this world for Jesus, ready to listen to God, love people, learn your purpose, and link to your community. You are ready for all that and what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. So before we get into that, before we jump into that, I want to talk about a phenomenon that has that plagued my generation for sure, probably generations before me. I don't know how many generations after me are dealing with this, but it always started with broken electronics. Uh, back in the day, the TV would start doing that weird thing where all the like squigglies would start messing with the picture and you didn't know, or uh, you know, the radio would stop working or get a little staticky, or the remote control for the TV would stop sending a signal for some reason, no matter what angle you were at. So there was one method, one tried and true method that everyone would go to. There was one thing that we saw with our parents, our grandparents, Theos, Theas, cousins, friends, they all did the same thing. They assaulted the technology, right? People would hit the side of their TVs like almost as hard as they can. They'd hit their radios. They'd smack the remote in their hands. Because sometimes when you would do that, it would like actually work. I mean, I feel like most of the time it didn't really work, but sometimes it did. And I'm sure you did that or you at least knew someone that did that, or maybe some of you are actually still seeing that happen today. But here's my question to you about all of this. Why? Why would anyone ever think that electronic assault is the right way to fix anything? Why would you think that banging your fist against a piece of electronics would make it work? Well, there's actual science behind why it works sometimes. The thought is that the electronic circuitry has all these different connections you know, inside them, and over time, they become contaminated or maybe a little less effective. So scientists that study this stuff would say that what is called mechanical jarring can help restore good physical and electrical continuity. Essentially, hitting something electronic can possibly make it work. Did you know that? Do you think that your dad or your grandpa or your tío or tía knew that or any of your friends growing up knew that? Or did everyone just see someone else do it and decide, hey, I don't have anything else to do. I don't have any other ways I can fix it, but I can hit this thing. And you know what? It doesn't stop there. We actually do this with a lot of things. Like right now with our electronics, computers and phones and all this smart stuff, we know that when it starts acting weird or getting real slow, we should try turning it off for 60 seconds and then turning it back on. 
But I can guarantee you that almost everybody doesn't know why we should do that. We just know that we should. But I don't think that it ends with electronics. I actually think that we do it in church too. For example, I'm sure there are a lot of you that are listening to me right now that know that today, if you're listening on Sunday, today is Palm Sunday. But do you know why we celebrate Palm Sunday? Do you know uh, what the purpose of Palm Sunday is? Do you know where Palm Sunday came from? If you don't know why, it's okay. Because when I was growing up in church, I didn't know either. All I knew about Palm Sunday was these two facts. One, when I walked in the door that day, they gave me a piece of a plant. Don't know why. Two, it was the Sunday before Easter. That's it. That's all that I knew about Palm Sunday, really, until I started working in ministry when I was like 27 years old last year. So what I want to do today is walk you through what Palm Sunday is and why it's important enough for churches around the world to celebrate this day. The first piece of info I want to share about this part of Jesus' life is that it is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John made sure to get this exact scene into the message that they were recording about Jesus. doesn't happen a lot, but this is one of those situations. So let's take a look at the way that Jesus' friend Matthew recorded this situation. Here's what he recorded. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So this is it right here. This account is why we call today Palm Sunday, which is great, right? There, there it is. Now you know Palm Sunday. Well, it doesn't really explain everything. And one of my favorite things to do for y'all is to give you a better understanding of what we are doing. I don't want you to show up to church and not know why we are doing what we are doing. You need context. You need to understand how this fits into our world, how it fits into their world, and how it fits into our world today. You need the context. It's like this. It's like, what if someone asked me about the story of me and Lauren, how we got together and, and what our, our life is like, and all I told them was about our wedding ceremony. You'd miss so much, right? You wouldn't understand why we still smile when we're talking about being in a crowd and like pointing at people and winking at them. Or you wouldn't understand how God created us in a way where we both have been able to make each other better in our respective fields of work. Or you wouldn't understand why I don't get low anymore during the electric slide. I mean, I'll tell you that when I got down low and split my pants at a wedding. But anyways, all of these moments give great context into some of the things that we do in our lives today. So it's important that we know how we got here when it comes to Palm Sunday. 
which is also known as the triumphal entry. The easiest way for me to do that is to break it down into four components. There are four components of Palm Sunday that I wanna walk you through today. The first one is the promise, after that is Passover, then we'll talk about predictions, and then we'll start, stop with palms. So let's start with the promise. It's a promise that is made in the Jewish scripture, which we would call the Old Testament. You see, back in the Old Testament, there was a man named Abraham who was married, and he and his wife couldn't have kids. So he prayed to God, prayed that his wife would give him a son. And sure enough, God answered Abraham's prayer. Let's take a look at how this is recorded in Genesis 17. God said, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. So Abraham and his wife can't have kids, but God makes this covenant with Abraham, which is just a word for like an agreement or a deal. Basically, it's making a promise and following through with that promise. So the covenant that God makes with him is that he will not only have children, Abraham will not only have children with his wife, Sarah, but they will be the father of many nations and even kings. Another piece of scripture has God tell Abraham this. He says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. So Abraham won't just have like one descendant, one child. He will have an insane amount of descendants, but that's not where it ends. God also promised Abraham's descendants to get the land of Canaan. That's the full promise, right? A couple of different things. But normally when a deal is made, it's like a mutual transaction. One side does one thing, the other side promises to do something else to make sure they both get something out of the deal. Both sides make a promise to fulfill something for the other. It's like the covenant I have when I go to Burger Boy. I go into the drive-thru, I give them money, they give me delicious food. But this one was different. Because God actually entered into this covenant and guaranteed it from both sides. He promised that he would make it work from this side and from Abraham's side. It'd be like if I showed up to Burger Boy and they gave me a working man special and they paid for it. They were on both sides of the transaction, but I was the only one that totally benefited from it at a cost to them. This is what God does with Abraham. So what does this promise have to do with Palm Sunday? What does this promise have to do with us? Well, I'll break it down for you in a few minutes, but for now, let's look at the next P, Passover. Let's move past Abraham and let's start looking at his descendants which are known as the Israelites. Many, many generations after Abraham, they find themselves enslaved by the nation of Israel, by the nation of Egypt, I mean. But remember, they weren't promised to live a life in Egypt. They weren't gonna stay there. It's supposed to be in the land of Canaan, somewhere else. So God is gonna use this guy named Moses to get the Pharaoh of Egypt, the king and ruler of Egypt, to let the Israelites go. 
The Pharaoh isn't really having it. He's like, nah, I'm not going to let your descendants go, Abraham. We're not doing that stuff. I need all kinds of slave labor. I got to build all this stuff. So to convince Pharaoh to let him go, God unleashes nine plagues on the nation of Egypt. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he will not let the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, free to go to Canaan. So there's one last plague that God will unleash on Egypt. It's called the plague of the firstborn, and for good reason. Each and every firstborn son in the nation of Egypt will be struck down unless a family slaughters a young, innocent, and blameless lamb in a very specific way. After the lamb is killed, the blood of the lamb must be spread on the top and two sides of the front door of their house, and that will keep them safe. So let's read more about this in a book of Jewish scripture called Exodus. Here's what it writes. God said, on that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. It's shortly after this plague comes through Egypt that the people of Israel are allowed to leave Egypt and find the land that God had promised them. Each year after that, the people of Israel, or the people of Jewish faith, celebrate Passover. And it's still a huge deal within their, within their faith to this day. About as big as Easter is, or, or Christmas is for us Christians. So I'm sure some of you are saying, cool, that's great. I know why my Jewish friends celebrate Passover every year. But what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, there's still a few more points to get through, so... Let's just keep on going. Uh, let's look at the next P, which is predictions. So in the Old Testament, there are 17 books of prophecy. And what that means is that there are 17 entire books full where God sent a message to a person called a prophet. In this message, they received a prediction of what was coming then, someday. Now, it really wasn't a prediction because God's telling, saying it's going to happen, but to those people that didn't know it, it's a prediction. The prophets then wrote all of these things down and kept them in the books of the Old Testament. Now, in these books, there are more than 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. One of the predictions is that he would come from the bloodline of David, the most famous king of Israel and someone that the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. It's written all throughout the Old Testament. Now, even though he was incredibly problematic, David still figured out ways to turn away from his awful doings, his terrible sins, and turning back to God. And the prophecy of the Messiah being a part of this bloodline is brought up more than 30 times from multiple prophets. So let's take a look at one from the prophet Jeremiah. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. So that's one of the predictions about who this new king of Israel will be. There is also one more prediction I want to take a look at. I want you to see what the prophet Zechariah has to say about this new king that will come down for the people of Israel. And to give you a little bit of background, Zechariah was speaking these, pro these prophecies, these predictions, more than 700 years before Jesus was born. 
Here's what it says in Zechariah. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So there are a few things that you can take away from these predictions. The new king Zechariah is talking about will be righteous and humble. He will ride in on a donkey's colt. He will show all these things as people shout to him in the city of Jerusalem. And he will also be a direct descendant of David. This should be starting to come together for you here, but we're still going to break it down. I still want to break it down for you. Let's go back to where we started going back through the Palm Sunday account as recorded by Matthew. He writes, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. So let's stop right there. A few words in, and I can already give you some of this context. The reason that they're traveling to Jerusalem was because that's where the biggest Passover celebration was held. Remember, we we're just talking about Passover. God said it was a law to celebrate it. This is a big deal. This is the Passover celebration in Jerusalem, in the temple. If you were an Israelite of Jewish faith, you were doing your best to be in Jerusalem for this multi-day festival. This is basically like the ancient Israelite version of Fiesta, but with like way less chicken on a stick. Let's continue. Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has a need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. All right, here is a prediction coming true. There is Jesus entering Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey. He didn't come in on a chariot or a beautiful horse like most kings will enter a city. Normally when they do that, it's because they are ready for war. And they're showing off how regal they are. Instead, Jesus shows up on the back of a donkey, an animal that will lead a life of working, a life of service, an animal that is bred to help others. The other part about this section is how the people were cutting off branches, right? It's, it's something that, that I find interesting because here's why they would do that. At that time, the people of Israel were being ruled by the Roman Empire. We've been talking about that, right? Well, when you're ruled by the Roman Empire, you are not allowed to fly your own flag. So the Israelites, the Jewish people, would instead carry palm branches and leaves, palm leaves around as a representation of their flag. Also, the palm was something that symbolized victory. So when they are waving these palms, it's like they are waving flags of victory when they see Jesus rolling up into Jerusalem. Now, the other thing I want to add is about this crowd. Now, when they talk about a crowd, I don't want you to imagine like 10, 15, 20 people around Jesus. I want you to imagine like hundreds, even thousands, right? It, let's go back to Fiesta. This is like if at Fiesta, at Niosa, the most crowded thing of all time, 
if David Robinson started showed up in the middle of it, right? People would start going crazy. Imagine the commotion that he would create. And not only that, you know, people would like start chanting, right? They'd be like, go Spurs, go, go Spurs. Like just, and David would just be high-fiving people everywhere, right? Well, something similar happens here with Jesus. Here's what Matthew writes. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Y'all, this is my favorite part of this scripture. Look at what they're shouting. Hosanna to the son of David. Connecting it back to that son of David, right? The word Hosanna, though, some of you may have heard it before. It's a Greek word that was translated from a Hebrew word, which is the native language of the Israelites. The word in Hebrew is yashana, which means, which when translated literally means save us. Save us, we pray. Okay, so we know what that means. So they are saying, save us, save us, we pray to the son of David. Jesus is called son of David. Remember David, the great king of Israel, the one in the Bible called a man after God's own heart, the one the prediction was made about when we talked earlier about that. Why would they call Jesus that? Well, if you look in the Bible, in the New Testament, they do a full genealogy of Jesus. They trace back 32 generations of Jesus's family, and I wanna show you what it says. There it's written, there is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. So not only is Jesus a descendant of David, but he's also a descendant of Abraham, which is incredible, which means that the promise that God made to Abraham nearly 2,000 years before was coming true as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. The prophecy was real, guys. So here's another piece of context that I need you to understand. As all the people of Israel ran up to Jesus and yelled, save us, we pray, they weren't doing it because they thought he was a great spiritual leader. They thought that he was going to be the king that took down the Roman Empire for the Israelites in an act of war. But that's not why Jesus walked into Jerusalem. Jesus was going to save them, but it wasn't going to be the way they thought it would happen. He was going to save them in a better way, a way they could never have imagined. You see, as Jesus walked into Jerusalem, he knew he was going to face his death. Jesus knew that he would be handing over his life not very long after. Jesus the Son of God, the Almighty, walking around in a human body, the one person that has walked the earth that was considered blameless, was going to give up his life. And through his death, he was going to serve as the perfect, innocent lamb. Remember in Passover? God placed judgment over all the Egyptians that didn't have the blood of the lamb on their house. Well, this is what Jesus is doing for us. He's becoming that lamb right here. He's becoming the sacrifice. So when the day comes when God is letting his judgment out on the world, when he's looking at your life and seeing if your sin is going to send you to heaven or not, all he's going to see is the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And it's because of Jesus that God will pass over you. 
He will accept you into his family. You will be one of the descendants of Abraham. You see, when God made that promise to Abraham all those thousands of years ago, he did it so you could be a part of that family. So you could be like some of the sand on the beach. So that you could be one of the shining stars in the sky. So you could be a shining star here on earth. Through this whole process, this is how God has brought heaven to earth. Before he totally combines the two someday, God has put all of us together for heaven to be on earth. First it was Jesus, and then through Jesus' sacrifice, it's now you. And to be a part of all this, all you have to do is simply believe that Jesus died for you. That when he went up there on that cross, he did it so that you could be one of those stars in the sky. It says it like this in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He wrote, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us so long ago. So let me submit this idea for you. God has always wanted you to be a part of his family. He looks at you as his masterpiece. He has literally spent thousands of years setting up this perfect plan just so you can spend an eternity with him. He's done all this because he loves you. And it's like the scripture says, all you have to do to receive this grace is simply believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. It's not about how many good deeds you do. It's not about how many times you have showed up to church. All you have to do is simply believe and you are considered as righteous and clean as Jesus. The blood that he shed on the cross is covering you. And for some of you, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus. Or maybe today, this is the first time that you just felt like something was different as you've been hearing about this Jesus guy. Either way, the first step for you to become a part of this family, to be one of these descendants, is by believing in him. It's that simple. You don't have to fill out any forms. You don't have to jump through any religious hoops. Now, if you're at a point where you're not ready to cross that line of faith right now, that's okay. I want you to know that you can be a part of our community before you start to believe. Just continue showing up, continue listening, and decide later. You're always welcome here, and you will always be loved and respected here. Now, if you do want to officially be a part of these descendants of Abraham, these descendants of Jesus, it's very simple. Like I've been saying, all you have to do is simply believe that Jesus is the one that came to this earth and gave up his life for you, that he rose back and went back to heaven. If you're feeling this and you want to start this relationship with Jesus, I want to lead you in a conversation with him, which we would call a prayer. Now, in this prayer, all you have to do is simply confirm your trust and faith in him, that Jesus is who he says he was. And what I'll do right now is I'm going to ask the rest of the cool community to pray along with you, because I understand this can be a little weird, this can be a little scary, so they're going to be praying for you right now, because here at Akuo Church, no one ever has to pray alone. You always have a community there with you. We aren't going to leave you when things get tough or weird or you're doing something for the first time. We got your back. So if you want to confirm your belief in Jesus, just go ahead and say, 
this just between you and him. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you and what you did here on this earth. Today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Now, for the rest of us that are listening, normally, this is the time where we just get a little quiet and listen to the Lord. We're, we're still going to do that, but for this week, I want to do something a little different. Before we get quiet, we're going to be loud. Like that crowd that saw Jesus walking by them on the donkey, walking into Jerusalem, we are going to call out to him out loud. We are going to yell to him. And they did it because they knew that their only hope that they had for their nation to be free was for Jesus to do something about it. Now, they didn't know how he was going to do it. They didn't know that they wouldn't be freed from Rome. But we know that Jesus can free us from a lot of the things, from all the things that we are dealing with in our lives. So today, we are going to start out by yelling out, Hosanna, all together. And then we're going to go into prayer. And then after the prayer, we're going to listen to God for, for a minute or two. So on the count of three, we're going to yell out, Hosanna, and then I'll lead you in the prayer. And then you can have some time to listen to God, all right? One, two, three. Hosanna! All right, Jesus, we are yelling out to you right now in our prayers. Hosanna. Save us, Jesus. Hosanna, we need you. We need you to do something for us in our lives, Lord. There are so many things that feel so big that are outside of our reach. Jesus, please show us. Will you please show us what it is you want us to hand over to you?
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for laying your life down for us. Thank you for becoming the perfect lamb for us. Jesus, will you please help us bring heaven to earth for your people? Jesus, thank you for everything. We love you. We pray all these things in your holy and mighty and loving name. Amen. All right, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Before we go, there are a few things that we'd like to share with you. The first thing I want to share with you is about getting into community here at Akuo. Y'all, one of the easiest ways for you to get connected to someone here is to join a community group. So if you're interested in being a part of a group here at Akuo, it is really easy to find one. All you have to do is go to akuo.church community and you can find one that fits you in the best way possible. And y'all, I say this all the time because it's 100% true. One of the best things that you do here at Akuo will be joining one of these groups. When you're having a good time, you go to your folks in the group. When you're having a tough time, you go to the folks in the group. That's what they are there for. You have people to do life with. Now, the next big thing that we have coming up as a church is Easter. Y'all, next Sunday, April the 9th, we will have our Easter service. And this one is going to be special because we will be doing baptisms during the service. So if you're interested in getting baptized, you can go to our website and under the Get Involved tab, you can sign up to get baptized. Now, the other thing that we'll have going on that day is our annual Easter egg hunt. Now, both of these events are open to anyone and everyone that wants to come. So please invite your friends, invite your family, have them come to service, have them come see you get baptized, and then have them hang out with us after as we do an Easter egg hunt. And y'all, the service, baptisms, and Easter egg hunt will all be happening. Well, the service and baptisms will be happening here in the gym, and then the Easter egg hunt will be happening at the pavilion across the street from the gym. Now, with that being said, as temperatures have been starting to creep up a little, we will be moving out to the pavilion sometime after Easter, all right? We haven't decided on the exact date at this moment, but within a few weeks of Easter, we will be moving outside. Now, at this moment, we've been told that our landlords are finalizing their plans to get an air conditioning system put into the gym. Now, until that system is installed or cooler temperatures hit, we will be outside at the pavilion. And no matter where we are meeting, we will continue to be a church that links to our community. And the hope is that when we link to our community, people can come and hang out with us in a low stake situation, right? They don't have to show up and sit in a service and hear me jabber on for all kinds of time, right? We want them to just see us serving them, whether it's outside at the lake picking up trash or handing out candy at an Easter egg hunt or, or whatever it is might be. We hope that they can make contact with us then, and then maybe through that they can see how we are helping bring heaven to earth, and they can get to know this Jesus guy after that. So when you are generous here at Akuo, it goes towards things like that, like us reaching out to our community, linking to them, and serving them in the absolute best way possible. We are doing our best to look like the early church we see in the book of Acts, where everyone would throw all their resources in the middle, and then a small group would make sure the ones that were needy got what they needed. When you are generous here at Akuo, you are really being generous to your community through Akuo. And we all know that we serve a God that wants us to be generous. And so the, for those of you that are generous here at Akuo, we just 
thank you so much. You are helping change lives. You are helping change eternities. Now, if you're interested in giving here, I want you to know I'm not hung up on the amount or the percentage. I just want you to be listening to God about it. I want you to ask him how much you should be giving. Listening to that little voice, that random thought, that's what you should be doing. Now, if you aren't hearing anything, you aren't sure to where to start, uh, maybe you haven't heard from God yet, one of the many ways that you can express your generosity here to Kuo is through the biblical method of generosity called tithing. And that means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. That could be a place that you start. Now, we don't want this to be a burden for you. We want you to do this as a celebration of the relationship that you have with Jesus. Now, this isn't a thing, right? This isn't a covenant. I give you a thing and you give me something back. No, this is a thing that we do out of love. This is a thing that we do out of celebration for all the things that God has done for us. Now, being generous here to Kuo is about celebrating all those things. Now, if you are in a place where maybe you can't give right now, maybe you're in a place where you're like, man, I need some help. I need something right here. We get it. The economy's up and down. Things are getting more expensive. Inflation's going crazy. We totally understand where you're at. If you need something, we want to be linked to you during your hard time. So if you need anything at all, reach out to us. Let us know that you need something. Or if you know someone that needs some help, go ahead and let us know as well, and we can help contact them. Now, to do that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send an email to us at help at akuo.church, or you can call or text the church at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here at Akuo Church, the way that you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. Now, when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the on-screen instructions that are laid out in front of you as you click through that. We also have our text-to-give option. For that, all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our P.O. Box available if you would like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail your check to AKUO at P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, y'all, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love you and I'll be praying for you all week long. Our team will be praying for you all week long. And before we go, I just want to pray over you one last time. So Jesus, I just thank you for today. I thank you for how you have orchestrated all of this. I thank you for the way that you have laid your life down for us. I thank you for the way that you have created us to help bring heaven to earth. Jesus, we thank you for everything and we love you. And we pray that you would help us serve the people around us in the best ways possible. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, that's all that we have for you. We'll see you at a community group this week, and we will see you at Easter next week. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.